Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brendan McGee, and sitting across from me on occasions is the host with the insert special nickname here, Emily Mead. Hey, <laughs> it's me. Wow, you're so creative. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is Corey comes up with the nickname, so. Yeah. That's okay. And he's not here tonight to make well, that determination for us. We'll have to put some pressure on him to come up with a good nickname for me. For sure. <laughs> this is what we should have been talking about in the chat for yeah. like the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we should have. We should have. Uh, except for deciding whether or not the other host, the Spectacle with Spectacle, he mentioned something about uh, us having an extra mic. And with that extra mic comes an extra voice. Who are you, dude? Nick Carter, Davian. How's everyone doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So good. You were supposed to intro him, I know. I know, you stole it from me. I know, but I think there was there was a, what is it called when you, what is it What is it called when you move into another topic? Like segway. a segue? Segway, that's what it's called. That's fine, you can do it. <laughs> What's that thing called when you move into another topic? <laughs> <laughs> it's called a Segway. Also, it has two wheels and it moves with your hips. Woo. You know what I mean? I'm aware of what a Segway is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we like to have fun in this hot, hot little studio room that we have you have a guest this week nick i do we also have emily here just for help because brendan knows very little about the topic or i guess the genre of film that we're discussing tonight yeah well no rat or rather i insisted on being here for this movie that's true (laughs) yeah it's not like we invited her i just said them what movie uh, our guest wanted to do and she was like i want to be there i want to i've been wanting to see this but your guest my guest throw it over to you uh my very good friend parker McEwen. Parker McEwen. You can talk now. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, Parker? It's going good. Thanks for having me here. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Your last name is McEwen. McEwen. That's Corey's last name. Yeah, so uh, other (laughs) host of the show's last name is McEwen, but I think they're spelled differently. How do you spell it? M-C-K-E-O-W-N. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you Scottish, though? Irish. Irish. See, that's it. Mick is for Irish. Mac is for Scottish, I think is like the basic rule. So, Parker, uh, we've been wanting to have you on this show for a really long time. Nick's been mentioning your name for ages. Well, you always say, like, hey, we need who has somebody that wants to come on the show. And, yeah. like, Parker's one of my best friends. Well, I'm one of his best friends. And so I figured he would want to come on, and he introduced me to this movie, too. I didn't realize you liked anime. I think I look like I like anime. Minus colored hair, I think I look like I like anime. You know, see, the thing, uh, the beauty of anime these days is, like... Tons of people like anime. Well, yeah, it's because it Michael B. Jordan anymore. made it cool. Did he? Yeah. Isn't it kind of, would you say, is it on the same level as like everyone likes comic books these days? Well, every, everybody, everybody likes Marvel and DC. Yeah. 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 No, well, maybe a little bit less DC these days. Okay, maybe anime isn't quite as mainstream as like comic books, but it's it's way more common to run into someone who's seen something. What are your nowadays. thoughts, Parker, on this topic? Um, I think... Animes definitely become a lot more popular, especially in like an athletic sense. Okay, a lot more, a lot more sports teams in general. I just think it happened with Dragon Ball Z, basically. What do you, and what do you mean, what do you mean by athletic sense? What does that mean? So, if you go on Twitter and you follow any NFL player, NBA player, MLB player right now, there's a good chance one of their tweets is about how they used to watch Dragon Ball Z when they were a kid. No shit, and how it's kind of put how they operate into their work ethic huh for sports that's very interesting is it mostly basketball players so they can you know i'm doing that thing with my hands when i make that sound <laughs> <laughs> is that what they say what do they say 
I don't know what they're saying. But it's I used to watch Dragon Ball Z. I remember when Vegeta exploded. Or was it Vegeta? <laughs> Who's the one that was fighting Trunks in the big circle for like two episodes, three episodes? I Do you know the one I'm talking about? The purple guy with the weird head? The purple guy with the weird head? Yeah. I think you're talking about Majin Buu. If Maybe. I was gonna take a guess. And then I, one of and then he exploded at the end. Everyone was standing around like like, oh my god, who's gonna win? And it was Oh, it's Frieza. You're talking about Frieza. Frieza. You're talking about Frieza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. It was Frieza versus Trunks. Yes. That was like a three episode long arc, and everyone was like, Oh my god, Trunks, you're the new Trunks. The new Trunks was the cool Trunks. The the old Trunks had a sword. Right? There was two Trunks, right? There was, it was some time travel. That, yeah. Well that happened there, and yeah. Is new Trunks the one with the sword? Uh, Trunks from the Future is the one with the sword, yes. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. That was a great show. I loved that show when I was a kid. Anyways, we should move on. (laughs) (laughs) But you guys know each other because you just do. Is that kind of... Yeah, we met through a mutual friend years ago and kind of hit it off, and now neither of us talk to that mutual friend, so... That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he introduced you to... Anime. Yeah, anime. Yeah. He had... Well, him and another friend of mine sort of introduced me to it and they had very different recommendations parker kind of talked shit about some of the stuff that who's who's your <laughs> other friend my friend asia is this one that recommended soul eater yeah yeah you have someone with soul eater i don't like soul eater i don't like a name like soul eater but i wouldn't know so <laughs> anyways well that's really cool i'm really excited to get into this episode uh but before we do let's roll over to the plugs As always, you can find me on Twitter at Brendan underscore McGee. That is B-R-E-A-N-D-A-N underscore M-C-G-H-E-E. Thanks, Mom and Dad. And Emily, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at look underscore it's underscore an underscore egg. Look, it's an egg on Instagram. And that's it. Nick, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Nick Carter D. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-R-T-E-R-D. If you want to follow the show, you can follow the show at The Real Rant Pod on Twitter. If you're a fan, filmmaker, or a creator and you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to send the show an email, you can go ahead and do so at therealrantpodcast at gmail.com. Send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all juicy just the same. And if you're a fan, filmmaker, or a creator, again, go ahead and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to follow the show on Instagram, you can do so at The Real Rant, all one word, where you can find behind-the-scenes photos of what's going on in our lives, when we're in front of a microphone, and sometimes when we're not. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever listening platform you're listening to us on right now. And if you're feeling even jazzier than that, why not leave us a comment, give us a little five-star review, because, hey, we'd love to keep these, uh, love to keep this motor going, you know, keep on moving, right, uh, Nick and uh, Emily? Let's do it. Yes. And last but certainly not least, you can go ahead and visit the website at therealrant.com, because, hey, we own that domain, and you can find all the links that we have just mentioned up in the top left-hand corner of the cover page. Next time on The Real Rant, we will be discussing The Goonies. So stay tuned for that. Hey everybody, guess what time it is? What time is it? It's time for the film of the week. <gasps> the film of the week. <gasps> the film of the week. <gasps> Give me the magic sword. Okay. okay. The film of the week this week is Your Name. And what is the name of the director, if I might ask, Parker? Makoto Shinkai. Thank you very much. That's a 
It's a pretty awesome name. Now, is that his, is Makoto his first name or last name? Because I know in Japan they do it the other way around, right? I believe Makoto is his last name and Shinkai is his first name. Okay. Shinkai's a tight name. Makoto Shinkai, in, it just... It's very much like it's got a James Bond ring to it. I don't know. It's a very heartfelt movie, if I might add. Would I'd, you agree? I would agree with that. Yeah? What are you guys' thoughts? This movie's beautiful. Yeah? Yeah. I watched it for the first time a year ago at Parker's girlfriend's house. There was a group of us that just sat down and watched it. And, like, it was amazing. First time I watched it was about 20 minutes ago before yeah. we started recording. <laughs> Emily, what about you? Um, I missed the question because <laughs> I was quickly making sure we were right about that director's well, when name. Was, when was the first time you watched this movie? Oh, um... Yesterday. I yeah. watched it for the first time yesterday. And initial thoughts? Before I loved we talk it. About? Yeah. I loved it. But I, I knew I would love it. It's because it's anime. You're biased. Uh, Yes. <laughs> Guilty is charged. Is there a such thing as bad anime? Yes. 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 We'll get yes. into that. I would like to talk about that at some point. Because you want to talk about like anime as a genre? I mean, I think too? it might yeah, be a good idea because we've done enough anime films already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it might be a good idea. But before we kind of do that, let's ask... The question we always like to ask our guests every single time we have one on the show. Why'd you pick this film? So, Parker, big question. Why did you pick the film Your Name? I saw Your Name in theaters about two years ago. They did a limited release here in Canada. And at the time, I I just really wanted to go. So I convinced my girlfriend to come see it with me. Didn't think she'd enjoy it at all. And... We left and she was like, Parker, that's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen in my life. Like there were children and like just a bunch of couples that I don't think knew what they were getting into. A lot of tears in this, like from the theater when I was watching it. I also genuinely never had so much fun watching a movie. Really? That's so, a that's a pretty right big right home. Also, you took her to this thinking that it was gonna be dubbed. Because it, it was supposed to be dubbed. It did. And... It was supposed to be dubbed according to the website. And I was like, it'll. it's easier for her to come see it. So she doesn't have to read a movie. But okay. it turned out to be subbed. I guess Silver City got the got the information wrong. So is when did you get... Did you see this for like a film festival or... No, it was just... It just happened to be playing in the theater. They... Anime films usually tend to have a very limited release in countries outside of Japan where it'll be like two or three showings here or there. Yeah. And this was just like... I think there was a one showing at the time, and I was like, I have to see this. Do you have any hypothesis behind why we, as like a Western society, have such a hard time? Hold- like, we we really like anime. I know there's like a large fa- facet of people who like anime in our culture, um, but why do you think it doesn't, you know, stick to like say a blockbuster film like an mcu film or something like that or like why does it have to have a limited release why is that in terms of anime movies what i find is if it's not part of like an anime series it usually tends to have a lot of like eastern symbolism attached to it things that just don't really resonate here or even with this movie i think you'll notice there's a lot of jokes that if you watch it dubbed over just won't translate at all and there's the character tessie makes the joke about the occult is that kind of what you're referring to a little bit yeah there's also a joke about halfway through where 
it's a pronoun joke mm-hmm. that just it doesn't translate at all in English. <laughs> I've watched it in English and Japanese several times, and in English it doesn't translate. Oh boy, is that because of the PC culture that we have? No, it's just there's no there's no real pronouns attached to words in English aside from like oh, his and her. I it's, know what you're talking about. The part yeah. where he's on the he's on the he's on the rooftop. They're having lunch. Yeah. And yeah, it's her inside of his body. That was very confusing. Yeah. And then I figured it out. And then I was like, oh, yeah. But yeah, no. Um, I want, I've wondered this a lot lately just because of how big the MCU is and how, how big it is worldwide. Um, I know Bollywood has got its own shindig and they have their own superhero characters, I think, too, and stuff like that. And Bollywood can kind of sustain itself within it, within that culture. But also they adopt, you know, mcu and all these other big blockbuster films and in western culture or in other eastern cultures they have like you know star wars and marvel and stuff like that but i've always kind of been curious as to why like anime hasn't caught on uh in say you know a western market um the way that i guess the rest of our generation to, to some extent it's it's starting to catch on more now um but yeah i don't know does anybody else have any more thoughts on that because I think it's still just a little niche, that's all. Like, the reason that the movies that would probably sell out theaters in Japan, there are, there's a huge fan base, but, you know, your mom and pop, your your large group of, you know, like, kids in elementary school aren't going to want to see it, you know, like they're going to want to see Iron Man, for example. Like, okay. it, it just doesn't have as wide of a reach, basically. Yeah. yeah, well, in my personal experience, like, there's still also kind of a stigma around anime, like, I told somebody, I don't remember what movie or show that I watched, and I was telling them about it, and they were like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's this this anime, and they said, oh, tentacle porn. <laughs> and so I think people still kind of associate anime with, like, hentai, even though they're two completely different things. Getting back to what you're getting back to what you were saying uh, about how this is kind of you watch this film with your partner. So you and your partner, I'm assuming, have like a really close connection to this film then. I I would say yeah, yeah, definitely. She she doesn't really like anime outside of this. I've, That's a rough go because I've I'm convinced her to really watch. Like it. I do. I've convinced her to watch two or three things she likes, but not really her thing outside of this. But this is the only one she'll genuinely come to me and be like, "Hey, can we watch this tonight?" Oh, that's a good. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I have the same problem with my partner too. It's mostly like either watch a TV show. And that's really it, especially during the week. Like we can't like watch movies or anything like that. And she doesn't like going to the movie theater. So it's kind of, it's in the same ballpark, but you know what? Everybody's got to be different, right? It's just good representation of like those instances in time where we can find a piece of each other that like really connect, like kind of what this film is, if that makes any sense. Oh my God. I mean, I didn't mean to do that, but that was pretty dope. (laughs) Don't Um, admit you didn't mean to do it. (laughs) I didn't mean to do it. Uh, (laughs) All right, thanks, Parker. That's super awesome. Thanks for sharing. Let's roll right over to Tom with the synopsis. Hey, everyone. How's it going? It's Tom Rombus here again. And as per usual, I'm not here to cause a ruckus. No, no. I'm here to read a synopsis. All right, here we go. In the fictional town of Itimori, a young high school student named Mitsuha dreams of a busier life. 
To some extent, her dreams are answered when she begins to switch bodies with a high school boy named Taki, who lives in Tokyo. What begins as a confusing mix-up for the two quickly becomes an opportunity to help further the other's life. That is, until a comet is set to land on the island of Itamori. Taki and Mitsuha must then work together to try to save the civilians of the island. This is... Your name. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Let's start this conversation off with uh, sort of how this movie was made. Sounds good, Nick. Sounds good. You're you're, you're starting off the conversation this week. I am. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I was telling Parker on the drive here that I I was doing a little bit of research about this movie and uh, the comet destroying... I'm just going to get right into spoilers. That's yeah. fine. I mean, the, the dude, com- this, yeah. I'm, assuming <laughs> that, I'm assuming you've seen the film if you're talking about the film. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the comet destroying the town and uh, what's it, Taki being three years in the future and trying to stop a bunch of people dying in the past uh, was a response to the 2011 earthquakes in Japan. That makes was, sense. Yeah, it was sort of the director looking at it and thinking if somebody from the future were able to come back, would people listen to them? Would we be able to stop uh, people getting hurt, people dying, and things like that? Really? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, this film has a twist midway through it, and uh, it's one I was not expecting. Um, I don't know. Parker, you want to explain it a little bit? Yeah. So Makoto Shinkai films especially don't usually end happy. Yeah. When the twist took place in the theater, I was pretty much expecting the movie to end within five, ten minutes from there. Really? Yeah. It's it's only 50 minutes into the film. I Time meant nothing in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I meant more like, hey, um, I have seen animes that have only lasted like 50 yeah, to an hour. So. His, his first movie actually is 20 minutes long. Yeah. Made exactly. it on his MacBook. But... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. The So the twist halfway through. Uh, turns out that Taki is ten years, sorry, three years in the future. Yeah, and he arrives because he's trying to find her. He he arrives to the town that he's been searching for. The girl, the what's her name it. again? Mitsuha. Mitsuha. And the name of the town is Itomori. Itomori. Yeah, yeah. He arrives to the town to find it completely destroyed from. The comet that has been on the news all throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think, uh, I think that, that part in the film, I was like, I started to get really kind of like, oh shit, my partner's not here to help me explain things. Cause like, oh my God, the fact that I had to watch subtitles for this film, 
I get it. Like that's the way you're supposed to watch these films. It's just like I had to take notes, and I remember sending you a message halfway through the film, and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this in an hour and a half. Uh, but no, I think that was the part where it kind of clicked for me, where I was like, okay, I need to pay attention because something intense happened here. I'm all by myself because usually I'll watch uh, subtitles films with a partner because that way, like, if I get up and leave or if I like miss something, I can just go, hey, what did they say? You know, because I didn't read it as fast as everybody else. But in this film, it was almost like I was just glued, and it had a lot to do with the fact that that once that twist kind of happened, I was like, okay, like, what is this film supposed to be, and what is it meant to make me feel? Because up until the, up until that first fifty minutes, I'm like, oh, this is just some Freaky Friday shit. I'm like, I don't really <laughs> like. I, I was almost like, oh, okay, well, this will be fine. I don't mind because I was like, once I got the premise, I was like, ah, oh, fine. Like we'll be okay. But then it, like it goes on from there, and you're kind of like, oh, this is like kind of its own thing, like. You know, like a lot of films that we have, like Freaky Friday, each one that's been made, like there's the change up with uh, Jason Bateman and um, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, it's, just, it's pretty it's pretty freaking hilarious. I really liked it. Um, but there's those films and those are like Western westernized films. And then you get this film and it's kind of like it's a female and a male kind of switching, you know, roles. And it's really interesting because they're trying to like that. Not only are they like at the prime of their kind of like you know, high youth? school youth time where everything is like very, they're very like in tune with their, they're trying to come to understand how their bodies work. And like every, like guys are very much like, I like you. Do you like me? And girls are like very much like you're cute and all this shit. But like, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like, it's very much like a very, everyone is very, I don't know. Um, small everyone is very small and they're dealing with this kind of big event and and they're looking for a voice and no one is there to kind of believe them and i think that is like the biggest part of this film i don't know if you guys have any thoughts or anything that you want to talk about from that um something that i think this movie really gets across really well is and this is something that you that most people feel really strongly as a teenager especially when they're you know maybe dating someone for the first time but this idea that like you're you're reaching out for this connection that you've never really had with anybody else before and the the sort of fear of never experiencing it at all like and i think that's another of the main themes of of the movie itself is well the exact question of the movie is what if you meant what if you met the person that you were meant to be with and you forgot who they were yeah well, that's the um, whole which, red string of fate thing, yes, right? Yes, which is another part, uh, another sort of theme of uh, Eastern culture that didn't like is very hard to translate because it's like a symbolism thing. It's in a lot of their media. Well, also another very common trope in anime is the idea that your first that for some reason high schoolers forget their first love and don't remember who they are. Parker, you're nodding your head. I yeah, it's something you see a lot in just anime shows all the time. Why There's a lot of? Ooh, why? Good question. <laughs> I can. Only, I'm on the outside here. Why? I can only give it from my perspective, not being there. But I think, I think in Japan right now, or just in the past ten years, there's been a lot of like dating culture changes. Yeah, you see a lot more people voluntarily not date. So when you have there is an instant in that in the film where they're saying, this is why I remain single. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you when you have a connection like they do in the film or like it's portrayed in any type of anime where it's just over the top it's it's next level it's it's special because it's not something that happens a lot in the dating dynamic right now over there and i think that that would be like a big reason why they for why it's so common that it's forgotten is it just an anime that that is meant for people to forget or i would say no you can see it in a lot of like pretty stereotypical like western chick flick type movies you can see it in oh goodness you can see it in love actually you can see it in ps i love you there's, okay there's a big list i could go on but <laughs> yeah i mean i wonder that's a good like I wonder if it says something about like just talking about it um, in like a more kind of generalized sense. I wonder if it says something about how we as like people try to forget it because we're almost embarrassed by it to some regard, because usually the first your first love is never the first person you actually end up with. Mm -hmm. And then in a way you kind of like try to push it out of your mind, but it's still a part of you. And so in a sense, like when you're pushing it out of your mind, it's kind of it's very kind of like symbolic in this film um, where these kind of you get the sense that these people, their first love is each other, but they can't they don't really know who to love or who they're looking for. But they know that there's something missing. So when they when they when it jumps like what is it, eight years in the future, technically, well, it's five years from the event Four four years in the future, it jumps. Well, it jumps five years right at the end, but it's three years in the beginning that are they're separated. There's a three-year time difference between the two of them. Yeah. So uh, basically, between the crater impacting Itomori and the end of the film, it's been eight years for Mitsuha, and it's been five years for Taki. Yeah, but what I was saying was, is more that maybe the aspect of peop the the people forgetting it. Uh, is kind of like a metaphor for how we try to, you know, forget about something that's hurt us so bad, or but we still learn from it. Like the 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 core of it is still there, what it meant to us. But like, but does it have any relevancy to who we are as people? Like five years down the road, because like I know that like five years ago I was a completely different person than I am now, and I know that the people that I cared about are very different than the people I care about now. And I wonder if that has anything to be said in this film at all. And does anybody have any thoughts on that? I would say in terms of that, I think I think they demonstrate that a lot in the film. But something else they show on that same vein is how just because they're not part of your life doesn't mean there's not still some lasting impact from it. You can see that at the very end where they see each other. And even though they don't, really remember each other they can still tell there's been a lasting impact because of it yeah and the way he keeps looking at his hand right like even though the 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 little mark that she made uh when their two timelines converged yeah uh he even up until five years in the future when he's going on all of his job interviews he keeps looking at his hand where the mark was they they it shows them both waking up in the present day i guess you could call it and the first thing they both do is they both shed a tear for these lost memories and they both look at their hand like mm -hmm. as if they know that something's supposed to be there even though it isn't anymore yeah absolutely it is like it's a it's a really romantic idea to think that I mean, not romantic, but it's this like, 
I think it's a really like primal, honest fear that you met the one and you missed them. You yeah. know, like you walked right past them and that was that was your person. And maybe you didn't even meet already, but like you missed them. Yeah. Like it's a fear that I think a, a lot of people might have, you know, and I think the longing that the movie is able to portray partly because it's so beautiful to look at is really easy for anyone to connect with that like super super like just i think human fear of like being alone yeah yeah well there is that moment too when they're sitting kind of in twilight and uh can we get we'll get into the symbolism about that in a minute because i didn't really understand it uh that was just because the subtitle thing. But, like, they're sitting in the twilight, and uh, the moment that um, Taki goes to write on Mitsuha's hand, he finishes it. But when she Mitsuha writes on Taki's hand, she draws, like, a line. And, you're just, and then the pen just drops. And you're not really sure what happened again. Like, I always get super Basically, confused. Basically, they ran out of time. He had enough time to write on her hand, and like a romantic, he wrote, I love you, instead of his name, because to him, that was the most important thing for her to know. Yeah. That his feelings, not his name, right? Which is like, you know, the sort of tragic mistake that he maybe made. She was going to write her name, I'm certain of it, but she ran out of time. Like, she just wrote the first part of, like, the first character. And they were too busy talking about touching each other's boobs when they're in each other's bodies, (laughs) which was quite funny. The little sister... Like the little okay. sister reminded me so. Wait, the little Lily reminded right? me so much of a Lily. My little sister, so cute. Oh my gosh, so, she just is so like, cute. "What are you doing?" Like the part where um she walks out the door and she's just like, "What is she saying?" She's, she's saying, like, "Scary." Oh, she's lost it. She's lost it. Oh, she's finally lost it. <laughs> yeah. Like the morning where she. Well, it's basically the climax of the film when Taki has his chance to fix the my future. God. That scene. Where Taki is in Mutsuha's body for like when he didn't think that he was going to anymore. Yeah. He's crying. The little sister opens the yeah. door and he's crying and touching her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. All of the boob jokes in this. So they're funny. so funny. Because I mean you I was so confused when they started when Mitsuha started grabbing her boobs that morning like the very first at the time very the beginning first time because i was kind of like okay this movie is like one of those body switch films because i was trying to figure it out the whole time because this film does not let on what's going on until about the halfway mark of the film i well, think like, that's the difference between like western storytelling and Eastern exactly storytelling like if this were a western movie then there would have been so much build up to that right and there well, would have been like a bunch of backstory whereas with eastern storytelling they'll jump right you into could it argue that uh with the opening of this film, they actually show you everything that's going to happen already. Yeah, they like, do. Like you, and it's it's all too confusing, and you don't have any of the context, so you don't really know what they're telling you. But throughout that, like super cool, basically intro song, uh, they give you like the entire plot of the film if you're paying attention. Yeah, that's true. Because um, I do remember, like, which which is also really cool about the film. It's very Shakespearean. It's like the chorus. They also telling you, make you feel somewhat like the characters because they show you those those parts at the beginning of the film yeah um right at the end of the film as well 
but you've already forgotten about them because so much crap has already happened at the beginning of the film to some regard that I I started feeling like, hey, wait a second, I've felt this feeling before a lot in the same way that the characters are being like, I feel like I'm missing something here or I felt this way before. I don't know if anybody felt that way well, at yeah, all. Yeah, or even like you don't want to get your hopes up. And I think that's also an, another really realistic emotional trigger. It's like, look, I, I don't want to get my hopes up that they end up together and that's like, that's... I think that's what a real person would think like look i'm missing this thing but i don't want to let myself down by actually thinking that it might happen you know when i was when i was watching it for the first time in theaters like i said most makoto shinkai films don't end happy most of them are about missed connections with love and i was really surprised like when it it ended on like an okay note like there's he's done about five full-length major motion pictures and four four of them have been about misconnections in love throughout space throughout time throughout just not working out and like i said i was really surprised when it actually ended on a pretty high note i had the exact same reaction i thought i thought for sure the film was going to end right when he well right when it kind of like jumps to five years later where he's looking at his hand and he's on the train, and he sees the bow of the other girl or something Mitsuha's like that. Mitsuha's bow, yeah, her Yeah, ribbon. and then I thought it would have just been like, he would have just been like, <gasps> and then like the film ended. And I would have been totally cool with that, because then he, I know the ambition of the character would drive on to want to go find that person again for himself. It wouldn't even have to be Mitsuha. It could have just been someone, because... uh it's really kind of interesting how their relationship plays out, even though they're not in the same timeline. You know, she is doing a lot of the same things that a lot of, um, not even just girls, but guys do where they push their friend onto, you know, somebody else because they don't want to like, they're too worried about it or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, do you notice how like Mitsu, I was trying to put that other girl, miss what's her name onto, uh, Taki and they were like oh you're going on a date and he's like well I don't really you know it's like I don't know what to say this that and the other thing like he has a crush on her but at the same time like the other relationship between those two characters are obviously happening right it's like this mysterious relationship that you're having technically only over text right like kind of like 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 a first love when you're in when you're in school or whatever and you're like texting your girlfriend but you'd never really talk to her in school you're just texting them do you know what I mean yeah, totally. And I think also it was one of those things like, I think when Mitsuha was in Taki's body, she was trying to like pursue the things that maybe not he necessarily wanted, but she was trying to live out this version of herself that she was romanticizing. Like, and it's funny because in the very at the very beginning of the movie, when she she exclaims, "Oh, please let me re- be reborn as a handsome boy in Tokyo," and it's because the day before she was a handsome boy in Tokyo, but she had forgotten. But part of her remembered that the day before she was a handsome boy in Tokyo. Um, And then after living this life and sort of getting to live her fantasy in what she is at first thought was a dream, when she finally sets up this boy on a date, she realizes that she's jealous because the very next day she goes to crash the date, not realizing that it's impossible for her to be there at the same time as them. This movie was going to be about misconnections. Was it? Yeah, he was originally going to have uh, Taki go up the mountain and then it just not happen. Oh my God, I'm so glad he didn't do that. Me too. (laughs) 
this movie definitely felt like it was trying to grab you and shake you the whole time to try and get you to think about, you know, what you were looking at and like, and it felt like a dream at times, which was a lot was, which was an underlying theme of the film was like this dreamlike state and what you remember and what you don't remember. And, um, because there's that one, like the scene before the twilight, they're just jumping back and forth between all these different things. And I just remember being super overwhelmed and being like, all right, I get it. Like, hold on. Which reality is which again? Like who's like, you know what I mean? And I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? That, that sequence where we're all like the sequence, uh, the sequence of that happens right after Taki drinks the, Oh, I can't remember the name of the sake. The right Kuchikami wine. sake. Kuchikami sake. Um, you mean that when Nasty he goes stuff. through that sort of dream sequence? Where yeah. Where he goes through her entire life and in like an instant. Basically, yeah, it was blowing my mind. I was like, what am I What am I watching here? Yeah, he saw, basically he saw her entire life. or By drinking her spit. Yes. Her rice spit. Well, it, it had fermented it to, into wine at that point. but Had it though? Yeah, yes, it had. It shows you it. Because you, I mean, like... It just looked nasty when she was making it, though. Yeah, but when he pours it into the cup, it's like a clear wine. It's not like the... It's been fermented. It, it was looks, great when she found out that he drank it. That part was hilarious. Yeah, she was so embarrassed because, <laughs> of course, you would be. Like, yeah, it's um, not spit. But that sequence is so beautiful. It, like, turns into this pastel, surreal dreamscape. And, like, it, it definitely parallels, like the image of like the trail of the comet which also at times can look like the red ribbon of fate like comets actually look like that i don't know if you know that was the one thing i noticed that was really cool i took an astronomy class and we were talking about how comets and meteors look when they're like you know going past like a planet or something and the way they like didn't have a it it was like there's like it, it looks like uh it looks like half a triangle with like a ball rolling inside of it, like pushing at the ball. It's really cool. And one, one side looks straighter than the other. It's really interesting how they were able to like actually make it look really accurate. This movie was a uh, hand drawn, right? Hand, hand drawn to a point. There's yeah. a couple like obvious CGI moments, but yeah, most of it is hand drawn, like 95% of it. Which is, I have a question about because the one thing I noticed that, in anime, people move kind of in a in a robotic fashion, um, where it's like, where they, I don't know, the best way I can describe it is like when uh, Mitsuha is running, she looks like somebody that's in mocap, which is really kind of surprising. I think it has something to do with maybe the frame rate or the amount of, you know, you know what I mean? Does anyone remember that? Or the part where the camera is following her during the dance before she's making the sake. Do you know what I mean? When she's dancing, uh, that that's CG, I'm pretty sure. So well, that's why she looks a little bit different. Like, because it's very good. I know inter- it's CG. Intercutting but... her CG dancing with when it closes up on her face, that's hand drawn, um, and it's super beautiful. Um, I think the the part where you're talking about where they're running, I think that's just like anime style. Like, it didn't look choppy to me at all. No, I'm not saying it looked choppy. I'm saying it looked like somebody was in mocap. I don't understand what you mean by that. Like, the movements look very fluid. Like, the movements looked like she was... It was an actual person running. Oh, okay, yeah. So it was, like, very well animated. Yeah, Yeah, when she was running, I... It looked very... Like, it was so good. Yeah, and I think it's the way the camera follows the characters in this film that makes me think about how... How the... 
how it, the experience like I don't know like the like that dance sequence that was like one of the only times in the film that I noticed where the camera is actually follow following a singular f- uh, figure like in their movements which doesn't really happen very much in anime films there's usually just like an a b and c shot um you know you got the you got your 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 basic shot you got your a you got your like basic you know two people and two characters in the scene and you got your close-up a and your close-up b right yeah well this film while being a beautifully animated is also has beautiful cinematography because that's a part of movies in general like if you're gonna have a good a beautifully animated film it like you have cinematographers for animated movies too and that's part of why i think the shot composition is so good mm-hmm. i cried when i watched this movie all right for the first time grow up buddy what are you we talking were all about? sitting in a room and i think we were all crying i'm just playing uh on the topic of like this movie made me cry like i watched it with riley last night and he was crying like not bawling or anything but he cried more than i did which like I took a tiny bit of secret pride in because I usually just lose it in movies. Like, um, and I, like basically because of the beginning, it shows you the whole thing and it, it went to the future and I was feeling really good about the ending. I was like, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to cry. I didn't cry when they were, when they met on the hilltop. I was like, I think I'm going to make this whole movie. And then I was like, I was like, yeah, they're on the stairs. He like turns around and like calls out to her. And she responded and they're both crying. Oh, and then I started crying. I almost made it. That was part was so great. Close. Well, it's just this release, right? Because by the end of the movie, you've seen them pass each other. They show you pass them each other like, you know, once in the snow, they pass each other. Once on the street. Once in the street. Like, and... It makes you think, hey, how many times have they done this? Because it's almost like they they make they make eye contact and they have that memory for like two minutes. And then they forget just as quickly again. So I was like, How many times have they done this? How many times have they almost seen each other? And then before they could act, they forgot, you know? So it was such a relief to like see them finally come back together again. And you just end knowing that everything's going to be okay. And I think that's when I started crying. I was like, oh, oh, like somebody got that. Like the answer to the question is, what if I miss them? Is like, it's not too late. Right. I I definitely lost it at the same part you did. Yeah. I, like I said, not all of his movies end happy. There's a very similar movie called Five Centimeters Per Second, where at the very end, they walk past each other and a train separates them and then they don't look back. And that's where it ends. Yeah. So when they called out, I was like, sit, I'm done. Yeah. The th- theater's going to have to deal with me today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily cried, but I definitely, I didn't cry. Right, I don't need to say necessarily. Well, the thing is, is like, you have to understand that the genre of anime is not something that's like, I go out and like, you know, pursue actively. So the the concepts that they present are more unique if anything but i don't think this is a good anime i think this is just a good movie i agree you could say that but the thing is is i look at as an anime it's different than most film that i watch so when you're when i get thrown into an anime film i'm not watching this because 
you know, this is something that I understand and that I get. It's 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 a whole another ball game. So when I watch it, I'm I, I it, it's it's I have to acknowledge that it's an anime while I'm watching it. But I think had this been a live action movie and it was done just as well, some things may not have translated as well. But I think overall it would have had the same effect. Yeah, right. It could have. But then the thing is, is I wouldn't have been thinking it as an anime though. <laughs> That's I, the thing. I'm definitely on the same page. Same page as Brandon here. Uh, yeah. I like when I watch anime, I know I'm watching anime. Exactly. I treat it like it's anime. I don't look at it through my normal movie lens. Yeah. I look at it through. Is that what you were kind of trying to say in there, Nick? Well, um, I don't know. Like when I, I've watched other animes, I'm like, yeah, this is an anime, but this one felt different. Okay. I guess. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt I mean. you there. No, part. it's all good. I just basically saying I, when you look at it, through the lens of a normal movie, you might miss out on a lot of things. But when you look at it through the lens of this is anime, here's some tropes. Here's the tropes I know that will happen. They play off those. Yeah. And, but they play off those in a different way than it would in traditional anime. And if you don't look, if you look at it through the normal lens, opposed to the lens of this is anime, you might not get the full perspective of it. Yeah. But what about, for somebody that doesn't know those tropes watching this movie. Well, I mean, that's just a different perspective, but I feel like you could say that about just anyone's personal experience watching anything. You'll have a different experience based on your own personal interests and your own personal experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this film uh, would be better as a live action film? No. Really? Why is that? Uh, just the something for me that wins me over. About Given Makoto the fact Shinkai. that you did, keeping in mind that you did say that when you watch an anime film, you know you're watching anime. Yep. I'm talking about more of like a comfortability factor. I know that you're comfortable with anime, but it's more like because you because you're aware of the genre a lot more than I am. But would you feel more comfortable coming from a Western ideology? Feel more comfortable? Feel more? Um, excited about the film's themes and the way it connects things as it's as it progresses throughout if it was a live action western type type film in terms of the themes i feel like it would be pretty unchanged there would be like i said some very specific jokes that would land a little differently but i don't think i'd enjoy it as much just because you miss out on all the background art and all like the very important symbolism that's in the art just in general i think if i i I think i disagree but that's just because again like i'm not i'm anime is my genre that i go to and watch on a daily basis however um i could go ahead and say that this film lends a lot of its unique storytelling to a lot of say a director that i really do like which is christopher nolan this in itself it was a live action film could very well be a christopher nolan film no no problem like he has every aspect of his films hold similarities and they're unique kind of you know makoto shinkai was it makoto shinkai is sort of um here's a twist let's deal with this twist how does it make you feel there's the climax, there's the end. Because like when you look at Inception, it's like a very similar ending. You're not really 100% sure what's going to happen, but you're hopeful for it. 
Um, I think if this if you understand was what a I'm saying. Christopher Nolan film, it would be very, very different. Like, I mean, I th- I'm saying that they have a very similar way of storytelling. If that's what I'm, tr- that's what I'm trying to say. The way on paper, this film has very similar tropes and themes that Christopher Nolan goes through. Sure, yeah, totally. Maybe it might I not look the that. same, but it has that similar feel to it. I really like to advocate for, like. Yes, this is an anime film, but I'm sort of more of the mind to, it's a movie. Like, yes, there are certain jokes and certain themes that you're going to understand better if you have an understanding of Japanese culture and anime tropes, but I have a hard, I really, for some reason, I have a really hard time separating this story and the way it looks from its author, like from the voice of Shinkai, who put this all together like if it was from a western perspective i think it would like maybe the moral of the story would be similar like you know misconnections but i think it would feel really different well of course yeah yeah because anime has a certain i just don't want i think this is the best version of what this could be oh yeah what, what yeah have. the alternative is the lake house so <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing is, is we won't know the alternative because no one could really take an anime film and really make it into what it was the first time it was made. The same thing with any film. No one's going to be able to remake Inception and be like, oh, this is, you know, make it into an anime and it's mm, going to yeah. be any better. You know, it. you still have to have it. Like, it's the same reason why we have trouble with books being able to translate very with the same visceral feeling that you have on the big screen. It's it's very different feelings because the first feeling you get from one thing that you feel, unless you watch, unless for instance you do what you've done and you watch Majestic Retribution and then you watch Reservoir Dogs and then you're like, oh, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Majestic Retribution is a film that I made in high school and it's pretty much point it's for point. It's a shot for shot remake of it, Reservoir Dogs. It, <laughs> and, uh, and Nick only saw that one for our the film we made first before he saw Reservoir Dogs. So it was a very confusing time for him. Uh, but what I'm saying is, is like, you will probably always feel like this film will always be better if it is in this version as opposed to another version. And that's just, that goes for any sort of medium. Of course. Um, but if you were to put it on paper, you could like, like the same reason why, you know, it's the same reason why you can notice someone's work without knowing who it is. If you're familiar with their work. So, for instance, when I was watching Strangers on a Train for the first time, I didn't know that it was a Hitchcock film. And then when I watched it, I'm like, oh, this feels like a Hitchcock film. And then I was like, oh, it is a Hitchcock film. And it's because the familiarities are similar to the things that we felt before. They're not the same thing, but do you know what I'm saying? And um, I don't know. I, I just The only reason why I bring that up is because I just like this story i'm not necessarily able to relate to it say the same way you guys can because anime isn't a genre that i go see on a daily basis and but the best way i can kind of bring my own personal aspect into it is if i think about it in the generalities of film in the western sense because like we talked about at the beginning of the episode anime isn't something that has really caught on to this part of the world say you know most you know mcu films have i guess so there's some symbolism I definitely like to talk about in the film. Um, I think the thing that's m- probably the most important in the symbolism is like we were talking about how when 
Taki drank the the sake on the mountain. How the rice spit. Yep. The rice spit. Yeah. How he went through that like visceral just seeing her whole life, and that's because Kuchikami sake in like it's three words put together. It's kuchi, which means half of you, basically. Kami, which means God. And sake, which sake. So it's you're giving half of yourself to God in the form of sake. And That's when, pretty he, hardcore. when he goes to the mountain, he already has the other half of her, which is the like string of fate. He has the cord that she makes. And like they said, when they like early on in the movie, when they're making the cords, this is how they tell stories. It's how they tell history because the guy in the fire in his bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. And so when he puts it all together, he has like all of her. That's why he's able to see her at the twilight, which is another, that's another big piece of symbolism. That's most of it comes through grandma too. Yes. Yeah. Most of it does come through grandma. Do you know, do you have any, um, it's, there's something I really appreciate about Eastern cultures as well is that there is a heavy focus on like knowledge keepers and like elders. It's very similar to indigenous perspectives as well, where the elder is kind of the one that has all the stories to tell the, the you know, the, the next generation. Now, it's not, imagine, it's not a matter of like, I know more than you. It's more of a let's pass this down because if we don't, then, you know, we won't have these these things that make us us. You know, and and it's it's with the understanding that though we will evolve, we still need to maintain an aspect of where we come from, um, and something that I really like. It is it is very mind boggling though at times when they're talking about it because Grandma has just so much knowledge, um, and I and I kind of wanted to ask you specifically about kind of what they were inferring when they were talking about the man, the fire, and the bathroom. There was some symbolism there, and I didn't really understand it. Can you explain? Maybe so. I think the man, the fire, and the bathroom, it's it's saying they used to write down all their records. Yeah. They just used to do everything through, like, a book and paper system. Yeah. And then he lit his bathroom on fire, which burned all the records, and they named the fire after him, which was okay. a good joke in the thing. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it – the big part of that is how then they decided we're not going to write it down anymore. We're going to mm-hmm. use it through string, and we're going to use it through, like, storytelling with the chords. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the symbolism earlier when you when he has the cord and that's part of her. Yeah. That's that's part of Mitsuha because that's the story she's told in the cord she made, mm-hmm. which is the story of her life. Yeah. Could you say something about because string in itself is very it's it's a symbolic thing in this film as well. There's a part where um Mitsuha also sews back together the pants of mrs what's her face do you guys remember her name starts with an o i cannot remember uh, her name. Sem- his uh his co-worker senpai um i can't remember her name either it's fine don't worry about it but his co-worker um who he goes on it who taki goes on a date with but when taki is being you know taken over by mitsuha mitsuha you know sews you know what you call it into her pants or skirt or whatever because that evil man cut her pants, which was really violent. I, I thought at some point I was like, whoa, is he going to like cut her? I, I really liked the movie, but that felt a little out of place yeah. in the thing. I <laughs> It definitely fell out of place. I was very confused by that. But Do you think that might have like a cultural thing that we don't really understand? 
I think like, it is was that found just, somewhere else? I think it was a little bit of a plot conceit so that Mitsuha and Taki's body could do something out of character yeah. for yeah. her kind of thing. Because, like, yeah. there's no way Taki can sew like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was just part of... Because I think... Uh, the coworker only starts become starts to become like seriously kind of maybe romantically interested in Taki is after Mitsuha changes his personality a little bit. Um, Cause she says, Oh, I, I liked you when you were nicer like that. So I think that was sort of like, it was like a plot trigger for that relationship to change. Yeah. That you're right. Did, sorry, did feel a little out of, out of place with the tone of the rest of the movie, for sure. I looked up the woman's name. Oh, what is it? Uh, Okudera. Okudera, okay. Okudera-senpai. So another part of symbolism in this movie that I felt very important, like we said, after the the drinking of the sake, yeah, he comes out and he sees her because he has both parts of her in one and he can see her. But So he sees her at twilight. And twilight's important because... The word twilight in Japanese is tasagari doki, mm-hmm. which that means twilight. It means it's neither day, it's neither night. You don't really know what it is. It's a long word for twilight. And a word. So early on when they first switch bodies, yeah. when she opens her notebook in class, it says, who are you? Yeah. The word who are you is tasokari. Yeah. And that's the prefix of Twilight. Okay. So there's the symbolism in that that you can see early on in the movie. And it the big part about the Twilight is because the day doesn't know if it's night and the night doesn't know if it's day. It doesn't know who it is. That's why in the very beginning if you if you paid like really really close attention, you can see the teacher talking about like that word and that prefix and suffix which again does not translate in english at all for sure yeah. yeah and that's when she first realizes it says who are you in the notebook not like what's your name it says who are you and that's it's related to the twilight because basically it's saying who are you like what time of day are you in japanese yeah it's a play on words oh, basically oh very cool yeah which is why they keep like they keep asking that over and over again, like that that line, like "What's your name? Who are you? Who are they?" It's like a th- you're right. It's totally a theme throughout, and it's part of what connects them. And I mean, I think the sentiment that uh, life and death and past and future can be connected at twilight is like a really really common uh, sort of trope in any any country's history. Like it's a really common like religious or like uh, cultural idea for sure. The other part is this is definitely a coming of age movie oh yeah you can you can see it in it's not addressed as much as i think it should but like Taki wants to be an architect like he draws all the time in his room you can see on the backboard it just says like architecture it's a bunch of magazines about architecture he's having meetings at the end for his architecture job he wants or his city planner well like uh uh when you get that lunch with his friends they like in passing talk about architecture like it's just mentioned as if it's in conversation right um and you don't realize until he loses contact with Mitsuha and he starts drawing the city that you realize how a talented he is and 
that that's been his like passion the whole time. But it's it's interesting because the way they tell the story is a lot of the time they're only showing the char- uh, each character when they're in the other person's body for the first half of the movie. So you're getting to know them, but you're getting to know this like weird kind of like alternate version of them um but they have they must have been getting to know each other very very well because otherwise they wouldn't have fallen in love with each other you know what I mean but it feels like a very personal connection that they have that like you understand as a viewer but like it's also incomprehensible how close they must have been to each other I was just gonna say that goes in with the like who are you in terms of type of day it's like who are you trying to be like you can see with Mitsuha too where she doesn't really want to do the Shinto stuff anymore. She wants to step away from it. She's embarrassed every time she does it. But, I mean, the movie has... The movie's very pro-tradition. You can see it. The The bad guy is the guy who stepped away from tradition. Yeah. Her father, for sure. And yeah. she's also embarrassed of him as well. Like, you know. Although, I would be too if my dad yelled at me in front of a crowd to stand up straight. It's so funny because the the crowd afterwards is like, oh, wow, he's so strict. I'm impressed. Like, they're, like, commenting on that. Like, it's so funny. The other thing with, with her dad at the very end when she convinces him to help evacuate the town. Before, when Taki went, he's like, who are you? Like, you're not my daughter. I can see this. But then when she comes, he's like, oh, I like, okay, this is who you are. This is who you want to be. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, it was more of like he had been separated from who she was as a true person because he was so captivated by his own kind of like away from Shinto um, and those sorts of ideologies um, that he himself didn't even know who the people were around him, like his closest people around him. Because you didn't even know, like you get that they're, they're father and daughter from the beginning of the film, but he's so absent from the film that you feel that absence even up until about the last couple seconds where you realize that they've evacuated enough of the city and that people survived and stuff. Um, it is, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, something interesting about another interesting thing about, um, Japanese, uh, anime is kind of like when we look at, uh, like uh, how Muzaki films and how his focus on Shinto and like, and how he himself, like, has you question whether or not, you know, following, um, or having this, having this, uh, this, this aspect of immersing oneself in Shinto and what that means to a person. Do you want to talk about that at all? Um, well, I, I mean, like, just explain Shinto for a second, if that makes any sense. Oh God. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. Just give us a simple definition. I'm not an expert. Okay, um, it's it's a it's this idea that they're like gods are gods or kind of an analog spirits are in the things that are everything in has this a spirit. world. I mean, maybe not necessarily every single thing, but it, it's, spirits are inhabit the world that we live in. Like ancient trees are thought to have spirits in them. Like, for example, rocks when, have spirits. For example, when they're hiking up to the special tree, they pass these giant trees that have these cords around them. And those are trees that are considered to have like spirits in them. Those are like venerated trees. And there's the way that like that culture is integrated into modern culture is very fascinating. And it's also, I think, why the very small fantasy twist in this movie works so well 
in a story that takes place in Japan, it feels very natural. Like, you might wonder, like, you know, why are they switching? Why are they switching? And you find out why they're switching. It's to, salt, like, save people from this disaster. But it's integrated so naturally and smoothly into the story that you don't really care that you don't have a real reason or explanation as to actually why it's happening. Do you know what I mean? And apparently it's been happening for generations. And it probably happened 1,200 years ago when the initial crater landed. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's something that this movie does really well is it integrates this small fantasy tweak that I think in other stories would stick out and need an explanation. But because the supernatural and the the modern are integrated so closely, at least in the way that the story at least in the way that the story shows like the towns and the characters um it's just very impressive i think that you don't question it it feels very natural and at the same time there's a huge conflict because the city is this modern place where mitsuha wants to go and the like old-fashioned boon like you know middle of nowhere town is very old-fashioned right but i don't know i think it's integrated very smoothly so with with her dad, I know he's been made like kind of the de facto villain, aside from the comet, like yeah. the de facto villain of the movie. But when near the end of the movie, Mitsuha's actually I think it's talking in Mitsuha's body is talking to Mitsuha's grandma, and they're saying, and she basically says, "Oh yeah, I can. I used to be able to do what you do. Like I also used to have this link with someone. I don't really remember it though." There's a take that Mitsuha's mom was also this way. And that's how Mitsuha's dad and Mitsuha's mom found each other. Yeah. Through like that single string of fate. And then you see oh. that, uh, you see the, as grandmother is explaining this, there's all those pictures of their relatives on the wall. And you're kind of just, you're, you're there's like a tell, it's trying to tell you that this is kind of how it's been for ages. I remember that part. That was interesting. And you can kind of, like you can kind of infer how maybe he turned his back on Shintoism because he lost like his string of fate. Yeah. I was just going to say like um I think that the reason or they ne- he never explains himself so you don't know for sure but you know uh when Mitsuha's mother dies the father has to turn his back on the home because it's so painful to be there. Like, and he doesn't phrase it that way. He says, "I loved her. I didn't love any of this. I kind of tolerated this stuff." And then completely removes himself. And I think you make a really good argument that it's because literally his his string of fate has been cut. Like, there's nothing left for him there. And, like, he probably feels the same way that Mitsuha and Taki felt while they were still trying to find each other. But he doesn't have the future where he can find her again. So that would be... When you think about it that way, it's a pretty horrible feeling. The idea that you'd be trapped in that feeling... For in, the rest of your life. In the very beginning of the movie, there's this little monologue between Mitsuha and Taki where they wake up and they say, I don't know why, but I always wake up crying and I feel empty. Yeah. And you can say that's because they haven't found each other. Now, you could put that take on her father who now will never feel anything but sad and empty because he's lost his string of fate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Now, you mentioned something, Parker, about how the father is somewhat the villain and that the comet is somewhat the villain. However, I want to ask if you, 
if the vi- if the comet is actually a villain. Do you know what I mean? Because it is the, it is the it is kind of the bigger piece of the whole thing. I mean, the comet is without the comet happening, those two wouldn't have that strong connection to some regard. I mean, the thing might happen, that connection might happen, but the meaning behind it, saving one someone else's life, wouldn't mean as much. True, it's true. Like I think the comet is part of the magic that like causes it to happen, but I think the comet is a villain in so much as it's the force of nature antagonist and where it's causing like mortal threat to characters even though it 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 isn't meaning to but i do get what you're saying without the comet i don't think that any of it would be happening at all um but i mean like it's not like you're happy that the comet is gonna kill everybody (laughs) like when you're watching the film um and it's gut-wrenching when the twist is revealed and you uh, the like the view as the viewer and Taki both realize at the same time that this person that he was searching for has been dead for three years um and you blame the comet and maybe maybe he blamed himself too if he had known especially when he remembers that she came to find him before he knew her like can you like that feel how and You get that scene after you find out through her friends that she's been really depressed all day and she cut her hair and you don't know why, like what happened. And at first you just think, oh, she set Taki up to go on a date and regretted it, but it's way worse than that. I mean, you could say it's way worse, but I think, I mean, it is way worse because of the comet, but (laughs) I, something that I think is actually better. I like how they show you that after yeah. everything. They show you that scene where she goes to Tokyo to find him. It's sad that he doesn't remember her or know her, I guess, in that yeah. case. But I don't think it's sad she cut her hair because it symbolizes... It's, it's not even symbolizing. It's, she gave him the ribbon that she wears all the time. You're so totally she has right. no purpose for her hair to be long anymore. Without... Without and without that meeting, he wouldn't have had the other half of her in order for yeah. them to meet again. So, like, I mean, I did. I mean, I'm not sad she cut her hair, but I mean, like, she was sad. Like, she was upset, yeah. heartbroken, kind of thing. I don't think the comet is the reason that they this happened to them. No, no, no. no. I don't. Think- I think it's something that happened, um, not because of it, but just happened to happen at that point. Uh, the reason I think that is because this happened to the grandmother and this happened to the mother and there didn't seem to be any like mortal dangers that happened around their time right like i think this is a hereditary thing in their family which has to do with their names i think which i wrote down um the grandmother's name is uh hitoa uh which means one leaf Mm -hmm. the mother's name is futaba which means two leaves uh mitsuha means three leaves and yatsuha which is the younger sister means four leaves it means a hundred leaves oh fifteen thousand leaves <laughs> too many leaves that's interesting that you say that because i think what i i think what i was trying to say was is it's not the villain or i think you could say that it's not the villain based on the fact that uh that the connection is stronger between mitsuha and taki then say any of the connections that came before in that hereditary basis. 
I don't think we can say that. I mean, saving somebody's life from certain destruction of your whole entire family and everyone that you love is definitely pretty hardcore. Yeah, but so is losing <laughs> everything when that other half dies. Yeah, but right? but the thing is, is there's still pieces of that person that are still around for her father. Like, she is a living representation of her mother, and her sister is as well. So he hasn't lost everything. I know that's a terrible thing to say, and I would never say that to a person that's lost anyone that they love dear. Oh, but like it's a movie, it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> but like in this sense, it's like it's a complete annihilation <laughs> versus like you know one person dying, the person that you love, granted that you the, the only the main the person that you love dearest in life, but like it's the event that occurs that acts more as the defining moment that 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 transcends one might say all the loves that come before do you know what i mean okay yeah i can see that you could also look at it like the grandma says uh when when she's having the conversation with taki through mitsuo's body that she's forgotten like she just doesn't remember what hers was like Exactly. You, you could also look at it like everyone's been forgetting because it's been leading up to this moment, like from 1,200 years ago to this moment right now for the comet. That's just another take on it. But That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Do you think it'll happen to her younger sister? That would be a good sequel. Or her, or her daughter or whoever. I'm not sure. Five billion leaves? <laughs> I mean, that's a good name. Five billion leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that brings us to the end of our discussion of the film Your Name. How do you think we did, Nick? I think we did great. Emily, how do you think we did? I think we did spectacular. How do you think we did, Parker? I think we did really well. Yeah, I had a lot of fun talking about this film. It was a good job. Uh, like I say, always about every single anime film that we talk about, I usually take a back seat because I don't know what the hell is going on with these <laughs> films. Uh, I have fun just the same. Um, there are always projects that I need our anime experts for. Uh, that would be Emily and Nick. I am not an expert. I no am an expert, anime. yes. <laughs> call, call me that. Expert, yes, thank you. Emily is an expert. Nick is on the fence about being an expert. He's shaking his head with... Uh, Shaking his head no. I'm still very new to it. There's a lot that I haven't seen. I don't catch on to a lot of the tropes. And it's more just if Parker says, Nick, watch this. I think you'd like it. Then I, I check it out. Sounds like a good a good way to go about it. Because this film was pretty good. I enjoyed this a lot. So thank you, Parker, for picking this film. No problem. All right. And I think it's time to get into our arbitrary reviews. Because as we always like to say, we are our film discussers, not film reviewers. So everything we say is arbitrary from here on out. I mean, and throughout the whole episode, but uh, arbitrary review, Emily. What would you? What would it be for this film? Uh, I give this movie one soulmate. Nick, what would be your arbitrary review? Uh, I give this movie four boob touches out of four boob touches. <laughs> Very good. Very good. As Taki or as Mitsuha? Uh, as Taki in Mitsuha's body. Okay. And Parker, what would be your arbitrary review? I'm going to give this 10,000 leaves out of 10,000 leaves. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Deep cut. <laughs> That's pretty good. Brendan, what about you? One better version of Freaky Friday out of 10, if that makes any sense. Totally, yeah. Yeah. I think Lindsay Lohan would have made the movie better. <laughs> but as an anime character? No, or no, as... live action. Live action. <laughs> 
All right, and that brings us to the end of another episode of the Real Rant Podcast. Parker, thank you so much for being on our show this this week. It's been awesome having you, and good to meet you after so much time of hearing about you and not seeing your face, and now we've seen your face. Now I'll recognize it on the street, hopefully. And we know your name. Yeah, and we know your name. That's what I was going with that. I was like, I recognize you on the street. We're not going to get married, so calm down, okay, Parker? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to find any bows anywhere, hopefully. You're not already dead because you're here in the flesh. Or are you? And this is just Twilight. Never mind. We're going to move on. Uh, Nick, is there one last word you'd like to say before the end of the show? Uh, Saki. Emily, is there one last word? Oh, pie! It means boobs, you ding-dong. And Parker, is there one last word you'd like to say before we sign off for the night? Twilight. And scene. (laughs) Scene.